Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And you're listening to The Friday Forge, a weekly episode where we dismantle short stories, smelt bookish ideas, and hammer out topics brought forth by the Book Reviews Kill community. And today, we're doing a short story episode. We haven't done one in a pretty long time, actually. It was a delight to read a short story. So you'll be joining us for our recap and discussion of The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Which maybe wasn't a delight. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. This this was very good. I like this a lot. I loved the writing. From the second I started reading this, it was creepy. It was creepy immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was creepy from the way she was talking, from the, yeah. the things that she found enjoyment in. And I say it wasn't a delight only in that, like, it wasn't a happy story, you know, but it was yeah. very well written. Yeah, definitely. I liked this quite a bit. I've heard so much about this. You know, if you if you go online and you look up best short stories of all time this comes up with the the greats this is one of the best ones ever written and i had never really read it before and now i'm really happy that i did same uh so real quick let's just go right into the synopsis here uh like we say on all of our short story episodes everybody if you want to pause this episode and go read this short story it's available everywhere it was published in 1891 i believe 1892 It'll take you like 15 minutes yeah it doesn't take very long to read and it's a blast to read i mean really that you were not you are missing out if you don't read this short story. It's very, very good. You won't be bored. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, let's do the synopsis and we'll start talking about it. Let's do it. The story describes a young woman and her husband. He imposes a rest cure on her when she suffers temporary nervous depression after the birth of their baby. They spend the summer at a colonial mansion where the narrator is largely confined to an upstairs nursery. The story makes striking use of an unreliable narrator in order to gradually reveal the degree to which her husband has imprisoned her due to her physical and mental condition. She describes torn wallpaper, barred windows, metal rings in the walls, a floor scratched and gouged and splintered, a bed bolted to the floor, and a gate at the top of the stairs, but blames all of these on children who must have resided there. The narrator devotes many journal entries to describing the wallpaper in the room, its sickly color, its yellow smell, its bizarre and disturbing pattern, like an interminable string of toadstools budding and sprouting in endless convolutions, its missing patches, and the way it leaves yellow smears on the skin and clothing of anyone who touches it. She describes how the longer one stays in the bedroom, the more the wallpaper appears to mutate, especially in the moonlight. With no stimulus other than the wallpaper, the pattern and designs become increasingly intriguing to the narrator. She soon begins to see a figure in the design. Eventually, she comes to believe that a woman is creeping on all fours behind the pattern. Believing she must free the woman in the wallpaper, she begins to strip the remaining paper off the wall. When her husband arrives home, the narrator refuses to unlock her door. When he returns with the key, he finds her creeping around the room, rubbing against the wallpaper, and exclaiming, I've got out at last, in spite of you. He faints, but she continues to circle the room, creeping over his inert body each time she passes it, believing herself to have become the woman trapped behind the yellow wallpaper. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was heavy. That was super heavy and really sad. 
I, I want to get your take on this. Like, what do you think this means? Okay, so I think that, like, because he, John, her husband at the beginning is like a physician, in, which I'm in suspect of. Uh, but maybe <laughs> not a very knows. good one. <laughs> yeah, not a very good one. Yeah. He was probably too busy, like, leeching the bad blood out of his patients or something. So he sends her to, like, a summer home, but I'm pretty sure that it's just, like, a mental hospital. Locks her in the top of it. And she mentions, like, a child at some point, but we never see the child. Yeah. So she's depressed yeah. and then she slowly devolves into like a psychosis mental state totally. and then kind of becomes the woman that she sees in the wall. Like she really loses it, sees the woman yeah. in the wall. And then right at the end of the story, there's kind of like a perspective shift, I feel like. And we're like seeing from the woman in the wall. And I'm yeah. not sure exactly, but do you think she hung herself at the end? There was a rope involved. So yeah, involved. I, I think maybe fainted. that might be more one of. I mean, the the term unreliable narrator very much plays a part in this. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I think that maybe there is no real answer to what's going on here. This is a study in subjectivity. This is a study in mental health. Yeah, this uh, declining mental health. I think one of the things that was so striking about this story is the pacing it's very fast it's it's very like, fast. like time goes by these are journal entries it's just like boom 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 and this is a declining state of mental health and you can really feel it through the prose you know you can feel it through the pacing it's masterfully done it's very very good i've got goosebumps yeah. just thinking about it honestly but yeah i think that one kind of more macabre way to look at it would be that she hung herself I think maybe the idea that John fainted because he's seeing his wife in this sort of like creeping kind of like, for lack of a better word, kind of like crazed state, if right. she is indeed, if she is alive, I think that him fainting would be kind of like the, the subjective way to look at that would be that he did have uh, as good of intentions as he was able to in the late 1800s. You know what I mean? The, 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 the patriarchal roles back then, the kind of like gender uh, norms in marriages like this in the late 1800s were very different than they are today and so like him as a physician prescribing this sort of kind of like rest cure this rest procedure for a woman who is going through something like postnatal or postpartum depression i'm not trying to like give john credit or anything but it would make sense that he would faint when he really did believe that his wife was getting better you know right if he thought that was like an actual yeah like prescription for her ailment but which is insane to me because like you know the worst of the worst criminals we put in like solitary and tell them to do nothing you know like she wasn't allowed to like write to express her thoughts and it seems like for someone experiencing depression like she needed the opposite of what right. he was giving her yeah and I want to give a little bit of context here as well. Yeah, um, please. I don't know anything about the author. Sure. So uh, Gilman, apparently, after the birth of her first daughter, she was suffering with uh, postnatal depression, and it was treated with exactly this thing, this rest cure regimen, which is basically just telling a woman, just just sit what? there. Just don't. You're you're crazy. You're hysterical. Anything you try to do is just going to make it worse. So you all you can just lay there. And there is, you know, it's evidenced very much so in the text here where, you know, she is giving the cures to what she you know what I mean? Like her saying, I, I feel like I should do this. I feel right. like I should go outside I should or something. I should exercise yeah. or I should be I should at least be writing or something. Right. But no, I don't want to make everybody upset or nervous or I don't want to like uh, she says something to the effect of like, I should be grateful for how good of a husband I and have I should be caring for him. Right. Exactly. And how much of a, a strain I'm putting on him. about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of guilt wrapped up in all of this. 
Yeah, absolute needless guilt that's only making everything a thousand times worse. So apparently, Charlotte Gilman was dealing with exactly this situation, but chose to go against her diagnosis and her prognosis. She apparently got better. And then she wrote this story, you know. I'm sure after thinking about it for a little while, she was probably like, wow, if I hadn't done that, I probably would have gotten worse. Yeah. I would have felt even more trapped than I did before. And slowly become the person on the other side of the wallpaper who I think at first I thought that the the pattern that she was seeing on the other side was like health and that she like wanted that. But it, I now oh, think the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> it was her insanity and her like fully becoming insane at the end and becoming the crazy person inside the walls or whatever. Yeah, like, I mean, what else What else would you have to right. think about? You know what I mean? Like, if you were told that you had a nervous condition and that you were in a very delicate state and basically, in as many words, told you're teetering on the edge of right. madness. You know what I mean? And if that's all you had to think about in a room with nothing to do, <laughs> like, how quickly do you think you'd descend into that? Because you, you'd already start... I feel like if you were locked in a room with moldy yellow wallpaper and nothing else for three weeks you even if you were of sound mind before that happened you would not come out of that situation no. feeling very good at all mentally and i'm being <laughs> charitable there um, so if you're already in a state like postnatal or post postpartum depression if you're dealing with that and you're in a marriage with a dynamic with a, a professional in the field who does not look at that sort of issue with with any kind of right. seriousness you know what i mean like with does not give any that, that's not even been discussed it's not a thing like women uh back in like you know in the in like the late 1900s and obviously very much farther before that and then even into the 20th century there was a different dynamic there where totally. he's not just a doctor here he's also the man of the house right. exactly and like she's acting a certain way where like if a man was acting like that you know like Get him right, some whiskey some and put him. On yeah, get, give some, get him some friends. You know, I mean, I'm sure there were not very good treatments for men dealing with. They go a whoring, <laughs> but <laughs> they were probably at least let outside. You know, yeah. but um, yeah, I've I've heard this reference as a as a um a pretty integral piece and very important piece of uh, feminist literature, and I can absolutely yeah, see like why. Suffrage. And, and yeah. beyond that, more like mental health. Like I feel like there's like the statement hidden within here yeah, is that yeah. like a a full person can't imagine what it's like to be hungry right and like a mentally stable person can't really understand what it's like thus we need to listen to that person to really even like kind of yeah. understand what's going on in their brain because i remember like before right. i've dealt with anything like just like to being sad or like major life events that yeah. weren't positive and i would be like well you know when people were like i don't know i'm just kind of depressed i'd be like well are you like eating good are you working out sleeping well like drinking like now <laughs> looking back like that advice was ludicrous <laughs> and like i mean yeah. yes you should like there yeah. are there are foundational pillars that you should you know build into your life that really do help but like to say then like what's your problem is a ridiculous yeah. statement with a very lack uh no understanding within it you know yeah, so. and I, I mean, I'm not an expert on mental health in the slightest, but um, I mean, I think that a really key thing that can help people, and I think maybe something that this story is trying to communicate as well, is validation goes yeah. a really long way. Like it goes so, like um, when I was I was uh, dealing with uh, panic disorder and generalized anxiety disorder for a while. <sighs> I didn't tell anybody in my like really 
close proximity for a little bit, but I did tell my boss at work because <laughs> because I was at, exactly I was at work and I was like if I if I just leave because I'm having a panic attack he's gonna be like what the hell is going on with this guy so I like I had to tell him and I shit you not he said have you tried thinking more positively oh my and, God. and it was the worst how it about was, a live laugh like, love it was, poster in the <laughs> how about one of those cats <laughs> hanging from the thing that says <laughs> yeah. hang in there no oh, no and it, it was the least validating thing that could could possibly happened but then uh, and, I, and i was really upset about it and then um later that day i told somebody one of my coworkers about it and he said i totally know how you're feeling i felt like that here too and that made me feel a million times better you know just like that validation because it's so difficult i mean and the, the woman uh, the narrator in this story is unable to communicate exactly what she's feeling you know she right. and even if she tried i think that's even more to the point even if she tried she wouldn't have been taken seriously which led all right. the more to her descending into creeping around this madness room. well she's not even able to share or feels bad doing it and like when you first started telling the story i thought i was going to respond with and a cool thing happens when you do like get out of your own head you tell people like that and then unfortunately it kind of went towards the opposite <laughs> direction the first time yeah. with the boss being super understanding or super not understanding yeah. and then later with your coworker because i remember one day not having a good day and like i'm a very like chipper person at work and like i didn't like ever to be the sad person and one day i was having a bad day and i was talking to a coworker who i was like fairly close with but one day i was like ah like halfway through my like i'm doing great speech yeah. and then i was like dude you know what i'm actually like super shitty and just like told him what was going on and then he was like dude same and like we just had this really good conversation about it and it turns out when you start like telling your shit to other people and like being honest sometimes of course it doesn't go right but a lot of the times they're like yeah you're not the only one suffering and you do kind of have this empathetic connection and it really helped you know so um not saying you know you should spill the beans to everyone obviously i guess uh, no but like but validation you know it's yeah, so and, the, and the, uh, the narrator of this book did not get any of that even when even yeah. with jenny the other uh, woman in the situation you know uh no no validation anywhere it's like the people that are close to, to this person, I think I'm looking at it in a way where the, the other people in this situation sincerely did want to help her. Like, I don't think in, it's such a difficult way to put it because it's like they sincerely did want to help her, but in a very limited capacity capacity because of the times that they were living in right. you know what i mean and like yeah she was kind of a nuisance to john like I felt like she was walking on eggshells and like yes i do think that he wanted her better but only because like it would make his life easier. <laughs> yeah i mean so you might be right like, yeah totally <laughs> like, i don't know you know he doesn't he, he didn't strike me as the, the he's like sleeping in the room with her and stuff you know like yeah, he didn't just I dump guess, her off know. there you know yeah that's true that's true I, at first i thought he was like gonna not ever come back when he first dropped her off you know but then he did yeah, uh, but was very much not there even when she was. So like, I guess like another statement of like, not only is it good to be honest with others, uh, maybe even regardless of their response to it, but be honest with yourself at the very least, you know, because um, I was halfway through being like, I'm in a great mood. And I was like, dude, I'm so not like, <laughs> and it really helped. Yeah, there's so much. There's such a through line of like powerlessness in here yeah just absolute power like she didn't have a she chance she wanted to jump out of a window at the yeah. end and there are bars on the I window couldn't. and everything yeah which is which is why i mean like your interpretation that this is more of a like a mental hospital because it it because it, it's like so she's able to i might have to reread this but like she's able to go on on the grounds 
right? I think she's so, able yeah. to, she's like in a parlor, but it doesn't sound like she has like total free reign of the house. No. She said that she saw other people sometimes, but yeah. John was like, well, and she was like, yeah, like you're seeing things. Exactly. She was like, oh, I'm not going to like engage in fancy. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she was seeing like other patients. Yeah. I think she, I would, I would agree. Like, and you know, obviously uh, mine and Chad's interpretations could be, could be a little bit off, but um, I think I agree cool. with you that she's at some sort of facility because at the beginning of the story, she says something to the effect of, I really liked this room. And then John said, no, we're up, we're up here. This is where you have to be. Right. You know, so her not being able to pick which room she was in, you know, like I, that lends a lot to me believing that she's in some sort of uh, institution or facility of some sort. Um, what did you think about the rings on the walls? Do you remember that? Where she said she was like tracing them like as part of the pattern? Okay, so there's a couple different things here that I want to get into. And then we're, we're probably going to wrap this up, everybody, because this is a pretty short episode. It's a short story. But um, I was just curious about your thoughts of like the actual things in the room, right? So there is the wallpaper. That's something. Um, but there's details. Like there's rings. Uh, the bed was like gnawed. You know what I mean? She even she even oh, bit right. into the bed at one point. And now I have a question. Totally. I have a question for you here. Do you think that? Do you think that the narrator of this story has been in this room longer than three weeks yes okay interesting yeah yeah i think she's been in the room or it's a, a room that's than... used for exactly what this is Ooh, so it could be like yeah, yeah like a like a lot of women have so, been where she is right, right now. Exa exactly and i think that maybe oh, she's that's representative of the whole right yeah, okay, so i think good. it might yeah. be the latter i think the the former is creepier you know what i mean the sense but she's been there a lot longer. yeah that's uh, yeah. for me personally as the reader it's a little bit creepier but i think that the sure. actual thing that's going on here is the latter is that this is a space that has been used very many times for women that are just being weird like stop being so weird like yeah. <laughs> you're not uh, actual people women like you're supposed to perform one maybe two roles and if you start getting out of hand we're gonna put you in a room and not talk to you for weeks on it oh jeez right. just be a regular woman and do <laughs> regular things oh like cook and be happy with your baby my um my sister suffered from postpartum depression we talked quite a bit about it and it sounds utterly awful yeah. and, and yeah. a lot of guilt too i'm sure because there's like have this new life and everyone's so stoked for you and it's like i feel like you feel like you should be really happy right because yeah. you have this new life and this wonderful life event just occurred you know but you're not and so you kind of hate yourself for it i feel like what i happen. can't even um, imagine what that's what yeah it's like to go through that man condolences yeah, to your so sister rough. i'm glad that right. she's doing okay Oh yeah, yeah. She 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 recovered. She's had more sense. But um, I'm curious, like, what your 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 thoughts on like the the rings in the walls? I don't know what the, is that to like hold people in place or something? Or because I get the um, you know, the the I think it mentioned that like the area, like the the wallpaper around the bed was really scratched up already. So there's that. So there's like drawings everywhere too. I don't think there's drawings everywhere, are there? Well, she said that there was like uh, like patterns on the walls. Yeah, that's not drawings. Like that's were, just part of she like eyes that were off. I think I that's they were like old like. No, I don't think that that's drawings. I could see why you'd think that, um, but I don't think it is. I think it's um, just like her seeing stuff. You know what I mean? Okay, um, okay. But the the descriptions were intense. <laughs> yeah. What well, did you think that the green says? Yeah, I'm saying there are rings and yeah, things on yeah, the walls. Right. She literally says, but uh, like, what is a ring and thing? I don't. Is that a part of the pattern? Or... Well, see, I don't know if they were like metal rings, like attached to the walls. Right. Um, maybe rings. Like, I hope not. I was just a little bit. I was, that's like one of the only real questions. Um, as far as like the actual uh, furniture and stuff like that, I just didn't know exactly 
what that meant. Like I got that the bed was kind of not and that the floor was like really splintered and all of that, but I just didn't know what the rings were. But I mean, maybe it's she thought it was like a place where kids had kind of just like run amok and like ruined the room, you know? Um, yeah. But like, obviously, that's one of those sprawling flamboyant patterns committing every artistic sin. Yeah, some of the <laughs> some of the the imagery here was so so good. I think it's all of the things, maybe even the rings and my understanding of what was I thought nasty patterns from people with mental issues like scrawling into the the wall, but I think it's more of a where your mind goes when you're faced with nothing nothing at all. Like, yeah. Nothing at no, all. We yeah, need like stimulation. Have... We need it. Like yeah, it's exactly. like have you ever <laughs> like have you ever uh, heard of like that room where it's like the quietest room in the world or whatever yeah, it is? Like, it's a college or something. I've heard that some people, when they go in there for a pretty decent amount of time, like a relatively large amount of time, which I don't think is very long at all, but I've heard that yeah. people start hearing, like having auditory hallucinations because your brain just like needs noise happening, you know, like your, your eyes need to see stuff, you know, like you need variance, you need variety in your in your sensations things like that it's called the anechoic chamber at orfield laboratories in minnesota and it's so quiet the longest anyone has been in there and able to bear it was 45 minutes that's insane do you not think that you could be in a room of no sound for longer like 45 minutes is not very long like, Dude, that's crazy. i don't think i can handle that for more than like five or ten minutes well, I mean, come on, you can't hum to yourself for a while and stuff. Like, it seems but, wild. Dude, you like to hear me the that... blood pumping in your brain and stuff. Like, yeah, it's too I much. Think, like, it's, I don't, I think you must start going sane, maybe. Like, that, like, real quick. Your brain, like, like you said, auditory hallucinations. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, man. That's weird. Yeah. I don't think like, I could. 45 minutes is a weird time. Like, our biology is, is set up for certain things, right? Um, Absolutely. So it's like, uh, <laughs> I find, I would find it akin, but not exactly the same. I think that, being in a completely silent room like that for that long would be worse. But like being in a car is like weird for us. You know, we're not supposed to go that fast, you know, like, right. Like, uh, and there's studies that show that like when you're, especially when you're driving a car and you're, you're in like a heightened state, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're, <laughs> your body's like panicking. Yeah, no, for real though. I mean, like we're not supposed to be going that fast. Like I'm sure it's, you know, fairly negligible and, you know, um, to a certain extent, I feel like a lot of us have been conditioned to be able to be in cars. It's not a big deal. Mostly cars are fine. Uh, it is weird. You know what I mean? And so like, yeah, like, have you ever been at the bottom of a cave? Yes. And turn the lights yes, off? I have. Yeah. And yeah. after like 30 seconds, not very long, you start seeing stuff yeah. like not like, you know, monsters or anything, but like there's just like light patterns because your brain is freaking out. I feel yeah. like Same it thing like, with thinks yeah. it's like a sleep. It's like I've never been in the state before. And so. I bet you weird things start happening after 20, 30 minutes, you know? Well, I mean, that's, I, I know you've never done a sensory deprivation tank before. No, uh, I have, and I, I've told the story um, of, of <laughs> it on here. Funny. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a great story, but um, like, so I didn't have the experience you were supposed to have because my, my session got messed up. Uh, but I have heard that being in a, a sensory deprivation tank um, for like long periods of time, like upwards of like an hour, you really do start hallucinating basically i mean like depending on the person obviously not everybody's the exact same but yeah i don't think i could last very long in that in that room of the room of silence i don't i don't think i could yeah it wouldn't be good for old evan uh i want to end this episode with uh with one quote um, that i think really encapsulates a lot of what this story is about 
and uh, a lot of what Chad and I tried to tackle here, and it is, I'm glad my case is not serious, but these nervous troubles are dreadfully depressing. John does not know how much I really suffer. He knows there is no reason to suffer, and that satisfies him. Like, mm, yeah. That's so logical. Yeah. Are you sleeping enough? Are you eating enough food? Are you? No, she says it at the beginning. Yeah, she says it at the beginning. Like you know, he's he's he likes numbers. He's a very logical person, or something yeah. to that effect. Um, but yeah, so For all you logical people out there know that sometimes, man, because like I've been on people are going through stuff. Defense, I feel like yeah. Well, I haven't been like I'm at postpartum depression, obviously, but I have had some like mental things, and like yeah, it's like I said at the beginning, a full person cannot understand what it's like to be hungry. Um, and I think that it's important for the full person yeah. to remember. <laughs> yeah, try to validate your friends and family and, and uh, pretty much anybody that seems like they're going through it, if they, especially if they come to you. you know, right. They might not just be looking for attention. <laughs> Even if they are, you just give it saying? to them. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. What's the like, harm in giving <laughs> so, a little give attention? Give them a little attention. Come on, man. All right. Okay, well, final thing about sure. this. I just like pulled up an article about the sound room that oh I'm like, halfway reading. <laughs> Sorry, it's just crazy to me that 45 minutes is like that's so little of time. But... Apparently, a lot of how we like our proprioception, our, our relation, our body's relation to other objects is built around like the sounds that we hear. And like, though we're not bath or, or do echo location, but we do rely on it more than you would think. Hmm. Apparently, after a few minutes of being in this room, you your balance is oh, yeah. so you like have to sit in a chair or just fall over because you have no relation to the items around you because oh, wow. apparently we're depending a lot on. Jeez. Echoes and stuff. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, I'm I mean, really interested in this. No, um, <laughs> like the the amount of things that our brain takes for granted, uh, or at least our our our, our forward facing consciousness uh, takes for granted, is what like you know you know that you can always see your nose. <laughs> I just like look down. I'm like, oh, I guess you, I can. You, <laughs> your nose is always in your field of vision, always, because obviously it's not going anywhere. Uh, right, but right. like, but you can always see your nose, but your brain just filters it out so you can see everything that's so it's so crazy. wild you know, it's so cool. half of what we see half of what we're seeing right now that's making up the world around us is like processed in our memory center <laughs> not that we like understand fully what that means but man that's yeah. crazy you know that means that like we don't have the bandwidth for everything okay. so our brains this is like it's the wall this is turning into one of those spot. like bro podcast episodes where i'm like know, let me let me blow your mind real quick man so <laughs> i don't want to do that anymore no, i don't want to do that anymore <laughs> that's when we know we're done enough uh but yeah i'm really 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 happy that i read this um it's i should have read it years ago i feel like it, just me too classic i would absolutely uh recommend going taking the 15 minutes to sit down and read the yellow wallpaper by charlotte perkins gilman i will link it in the description below it is on gutenberg you should go check it out all right everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode let us know any other short stories you'd like us to cover and chad and i can do a nice little recap and discussion about that short story we love reading them until then everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode hope you have an awesome rest of your day and of course happy reading bye everybody